Pastor Steve, and I am on staff here at Cornerstone Church. I am the associate pastor to Next Gen, um, and I have the privilege of ministering to you guys today. And I want to thank you guys for allowing me to be here. <laughs> like you had a choice. <laughs> That's pretty, sorry. <clears throat> I thought, I thought I would let you guys know a couple things about me. I'm a little bit different. You know, I'm a little bit different. I laugh at situations that other people may not laugh at. Um, and I don't want anybody to take this the wrong way. My family, we laugh at funerals. Because you've probably been to a typical Caucasian, we say Caucasian funeral, but I don't know if you've been to a typical black funeral. I crack up laughing because they're trying to get into the, the what's that... The coffin. They're trying to get into the coffin. You hear screams, oh, Lord Jesus, take me now. It's, I laugh. I laugh at certain things. And so I actually was thinking about the message, and I started thinking about restaurants. Don't worry about it. Don't, you go with me. I started thinking about food. For some reason, I was thinking about food. I don't know why I was thinking about food. Maybe because I'm fat, but I'm trying to lose weight, slowly but surely. Um, but I started thinking about food, and I started thinking about what are some restaurants, uh, how, how do people critique restaurants? You know, I can imagine Chick-fil-A, they probably give them thumbs up for everything. McDonald's, thumbs down for everything. Come on, let's be real. Chick-fil-A, McDonald's, if you still eat McDonald's, shame on you. Just saying, that is of the devil. But I used to work at McDonald's. I'm just joking. McDonald's, please don't sue me. I don't even have no You can sue me. I don't got no money. I don't care. Whatever. Take what you want. But... I did look at a couple of critiques, and I wanted to show you guys some critiques that I saw online. So if you guys would show the first one. For you, for all of you, that's what we're talking about today. But one of the critiques says, hopefully, I, I got to pull it up then. If they don't got it, we'll get it. They're working on it. Um, here it goes. Here goes one of the critiques. It says this. Sweet. I like this one. It said, the entire kitchen staff and wait staff saw an ice cream truck and ran outside. Leave me alone in the restaurant. <laughs> Ten minutes later, they came back in the, with ice cream cones. I still can't believe that actually happened. <laughs> Things like this happen to people all the time. Next slide. All right. It said, by the way, that blocked out is not that bad of a word. I will go ahead and say the word for you. It was, I'm joking. I'm not going to say the word. <laughs> what do I look like? My boss is sitting right there. I'm not stupid. Come on, people. All right, it says this. <clears throat> Took a first date here because I really wanted to be, uh, really wanted it to be the last date. Wow, this guy had high expectations. Unfortunately, the food came out delicious and very fresh tasting. They were not rude to my date at all, which blanked me off because I was really banking on that. Worst of all, they didn't make curry pizza. What type of establishment doesn't serve curry pizza? Seriously, get with the times. Seriously, you need to get with the times. Because curry pizza, I have never had that. I don't think I want that. I don't think I do. Next one. Never, ever again. Dreadful, dreadful experience. When I first arrived, they had the nerve and audacity to give me a hello. Really? What, you want my first impression to be a pleasant one? What is wrong with you people? And then on top of that, I mean, to top that off, they're freaking served exactly what I ordered. Unreal. What restaurant does that? All I know is uh, I ain't going again. Good riddance. I think that was written about Chick-fil-A, by the way. Just want to point that out. Uh, I think this is my last one. If you can't read it, I'll try to make sure it's clear. This place is a bad place to go if you're trying to lose weight. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> it's probably like a fast food restaurant. Whatever. All right. 
Their food has flavor and makes you want to eat it all. Um, if you are on a diet, this is not the restaurant to visit. Also, if you are an unhappy person, a person stay away, as the staff will make you smile. On a final note, you will be disappointed if you prefer to eat a dirty, at a dirty, dingy, smelly, and unsanitary establishment. People are funny, right? I mean, you just, there's so many different reviews online. There's really some really bad ones where they dog people out about the restaurant, whether it's they ordered one thing, they ordered a steak and they got a veal. Um, they ordered some chicken and they got uh, chitlins. It, there's all types of bad reviews out there. But then there's good stuff. There's the good reviews. Well, you like, oh, I need to go to that restaurant. But I wonder, if we're, as I think about restaurant, I wonder if we realize that sometimes we get a bad review from God. Sometimes we get a bad review for God, and we don't know why. We're just carrying on our business, doing what we normally do, and all of a sudden we feel like we're not hearing from God anymore. All of a sudden we feel like, you know what, that didn't turn out the way I expected it. We're doing things expecting God to be like, thumbs up, good, well done, good and faithful servant. In actuality, God's like, boo you. No, he probably's not doing that, but you get the point. And as I think about that, I thought about what all of us all of us, what our message is, is for all of uh, all you are. And our title today is Worship for the King. Worship, if you're taking notes, if you're not taking notes, it's okay. God will forgive you in heaven, but not here. Um, totally joke. Please forgive. I'm crazy. Don't pay me no attention. Um, <laughs> all right. I'm only up here one Sunday out of the year. You can deal with it. Come on, people. All right. I just want to say on a side note, um, before I came up here, I have a a zigzag or whatever pattern in my head. Matt want to say, I didn't know you loved me that much to put an M in your head. And I did it for you, Matt. Did it for you. All right. So before we jump in, we want to make sure we clarify for what worship is. Because a lot of people think worship is just coming to church on Sunday. What we just did, which was amazing, praising God for all that he is. I'm going to take it a little step further because I think worship is so much more. I think worship has to do with everything we are. I think if we're bringing glory to God, then that's truly what worship is. There's a definition for worship when I looked up online. It says this, worship is the feeling of or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. There are synonyms for it as well. Synonyms. You know the word. Synonyms for it. I was born in Detroit. I don't know how to read things properly. All right. It says this. Synonym is glorify, honor, praise, love, admiration, thanksgiving, esteem. If we really want to break down this word worship... We're going to say it like this. It's anything that brings glory to God. Plain and simple. What true worship is, is anything I do that brings glory to God. If we're a believer. Now, if you're not a believer, you're worshiping other things. We get that. But we're talking about as a believer, we should bring glory to God, our Savior. And I'm going to say that if you're serving in the church on Sunday, you're bringing worship, glory to God. If you're serving outside, you're giving somebody a meal, you're serving, you're bringing glory to God. If you're leading worship, you're bringing glory to God. If you're opening the car doors, you're bringing glory to God. It's a beautiful thing that when your light shines to the world, if you know anything about Matthew 5, 14, it says when your light shines to the world, the end result is they will praise your heavenly father because of your good deeds. And when your good deeds shine out, you're bringing glory to God. So I'm going to say worship at the heart of the matter, the true little nuts and bolts of it, you scale it all back, worship really is Just simply bring the glory to God. So what are you doing on a day-to-day basis that's bringing the glory to God? Is it making sure you do things with excellence? 
Because that means while you're at school, you're not playing on your phone, talking with your buddies. You're actually studying. That means while you're at work, I was going to say you don't fall asleep at the desk. I don't know who does that because I clearly do not fall asleep at the desk, Pastor Peter. That has never happened to me, ever. Make sure I said that from the podium. Now I'm going to step to the side so I don't get struck down. All right. When you're, when you're at work, what you do at work, you bring glory to God. I love it because Jesus, he was asked this question. He was talking about like the top ten commandments, you know. And he boiled it down to one, really two. He said, for you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And he also said, love others as yourself. And then Paul took it a little step further. Paul said this in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He said, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your body to God because all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. He goes a little bit farther, again, because the Bible is full of really God breaking things down for us. In 1 Corinthians 6, he says this, 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you were bought bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Again, what true worship is, as we talk about worship is for the king, it's glorifying God in everything I do. That means when I get dressed, yes, I know what you're thinking, that man looks good. You get dressed for the Lord. You say, God, you made me colorful, so where's the color in my closet? Or maybe he made you blah, and you wear black and white and gray. That, that was my wife, by the way, until she met me. Um, that's a side note. She told me not to pick on her while I was up here on stage. So I'm not going to pick on her like by saying anything about my wife, because I love you, boo. Me and you go back like hat flaps and flapjacks. Okay. I'm not going to pick on my wife today. I do want to say this. You'll be surprised, on the little side note, how different two people can be in one house. Two people can live under the same roof and think completely different. If you don't believe that, I dare you to get married. (laughs) Two people can see things totally different. One person can look at a dishwasher and see the beauty that was made, that how you post a hand, how it was handcrafted so each dish would get placed in the right spot so every dish can end up being glorified for God. (laughs) The other person just look at it like the devil. We just going to throw stuff in there and ruin the dishwasher and the dishes. I'm not saying that's not me, but it's it's not me in our household. Okay, I'm going to go over here. I'm not going to pick on my wife today. Worship is for the king. Now, some of you guys are wondering why in the world did I start talking about uh, worship for the king and restaurants? Because I believe there was a text that kind of compares the two in a very vague way, but I want you to follow me on this because David had this experience where he was the king of Israel. He was God-appointed man. He had a heart after God, and he at one time, well, he did more than once, but at one time he did something stupid and didn't even realize what he was doing because he had gotten to his normal everyday life. He was going about his business like normal. And he saw somebody else do something, and they had success. So David said, I'm going to do it too. But how many of us know, as a believer, we can't do what other people do? You can't get away with what other people get away with. 
I had a younger brother. I had a younger brother. He's not like, he's not gone. He's still here. He may be locked up soon, but that's another story. I have a younger brother by the name of Michael. And he tried to do what other people do in the world. He would um, go to school and he thought it was funny. He would walk around the hall, he'd have his pants hanging down here, and then he'd lift up his shirt and then he would show his butt. That's what we did in Detroit. Don't pay me no attention. But that's what he did, right? To, to moon people in school. My brother, older brother, did it. Michael did it too. The first time he did it, he got caught. Other people were skipping school. Fun and dandy. Michael skipped school one time and got caught. Michael could go to the, the store. I could steal. Not that I ever did steal. Again, Pastor Peter, I did not steal. I'm just saying, this is just reference point. If, if I did steal, I would get away with it. Michael would not get away with it. Michael got caught. Michael has been arrested on multiple occasions. Michael has, has had so many things where he thinks he's getting away with it. And God's like, I'm not letting you get away with this because you know better. And to know better, you should do better. We can't get away with stuff. And I'm going to show you real quick how David thought he would get away with something, but he really didn't. If you open up your Bibles or you can look on the screen to 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6. I just want to say really quick before we read this, because I want to pick on Pastor Ronnie. I feel like at this time he'll pull out his glasses to read because he's really old. But I'm not going to do that because I can see. If he's in audience, just let you know. I can see this, Pastor Ronnie. All right. I like picking on people. If you don't know that about me, I really do. I enjoy I think God put me on earth to pick on people. You know, I mean, like, I was handcrafted by the Lord so I could be his instrument to pick on you. So let me do what God called me to do. Am I right, Matt? Let me do what God called me to do. He created me this way. If you don't like it, blame him. All right. (laughs) Second Samuel chapter 6. And we're just going to read through this because it's it's, it's kind of, it can be meaty. And I like how Pastor Jody read last week, so (laughs) I'm going to take a cue from him. It says this in Second Samuel chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It says, Then again, I mean, then David again gathered all the elite troops of Israel, 3,000 in all. He led them to the Bee of Judah and brought them back to the Ark of God, which bears the name of the the Lord of Heaven's army. He enthroned, um, he is enthroned between the cherubims. They placed the Ark of God on a new cart and brought it back from A's house. (laughs) Pastor Jody did this, so it felt good. Um, A's house, which was on the hill. Then you and A... A's sons were guided, I mean, were guiding the cart that carried the ark of God. And Ahu, I mean, A, it's like Ohio, but Ahio. Yeah, stinky Ohio. Um, A walked in front of the ark, and David all, and all the people of Israel were celebrating before the Lord, singing songs and playing all kinds of musical instruments. You know the mission, musical instruments. Verse 6. But when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nacon, I think that is, the oxen stumbled, and you reached up out his hand and steadied the ark of God. Then the Lord's anger arose against you, and God struck him dead before this, because of this. So you died right there beside the ark. Understand, this was a good act. This was something I think was worthy to be praised. David saw that the ark had been stolen, which was the presence of God. And another land, these Philistines, that took it away. He was like, let's go get it back. And as they were bringing it back, they just threw it on a cart. They just threw it on a cart. 
David appointed two guys. You guys go ahead and move it. And then God struck one of them dead for touching it. See, the difference is here between the Philistines was David knew better. There were certain rules and requirements when you come before the presence of God that David knew he should have had done. And something in his mind said, hey, it'll be all right. It's all good. I'll go do what they did because they got success. I'm going to try it myself. And then God got angry and killed one of them. And then David got angry. If you read along, David got angry. He was like, why did this happen? But the funny thing is, if you fast forward, if you read a little bit down, you'll find out that they were able to bring the ark actually back to the Lord. So let's read a little bit farther. It says this. We're going to jump down to 13, verse 13. After, 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 <coughs> a little parched. All right. Again, I'm only here one time a month, a year. You can deal with it, people. All right. After the men were carrying the ark of the Lord, had gone six steps, David sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf, and David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment. So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and blowing of ram's horn. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in place inside the special tent David prepared for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. This verse doesn't tell us much. And if you only read this verse, you'll be like, okay, what was different? You can kind of figure things out. You can kind of wonder about things in your own mind. But we have a better backdrop of this if you read 1 Chronicles. Because 1 Chronicles give us insight, divine insight, to what David did differently. The first time he said, let's go get the ark. Let's throw it on a a cart. You guys, you move the tent. One of them die. David's angry. The second time, they brought the ark. Place it in a special place, and all praise was given to God. What was different this time? And I'm, we're going to dig into it right now. If you open your Bibles to First Chronicles, we're going to find out what happened differently. Because there's a lot of more reading, but we're going to do it. I don't want to read in front of you either as much as you don't want me to read in front of you. But we're going to do it. First, First Chronicles 15, 1 through 2 says this. Oh, and then it's 11 through 15. It says this. David now built several buildings for himself in the city of David. He also prepared a place for the ark of God and set, a special, set up a special tent for it. Then he commanded, no one except the Levites may carry the ark of the Lord, the ark of God. The Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of the Lord and serve him forever. Then David, verse 11, then David summoned the priests, these Levites and the these Levite leaders. He said to them, you are the leaders of the Levite families. You must purify yourself and all the fellow Levites, so you can bring the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, to the place I have prepared for it. Because you Levites did not carry the ark the first time, the anger of the Lord, our God, burst out against us. We failed to ask God how to move it properly. So the priests of the Levites purified themselves in order to bring the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, to Jerusalem. Then the Levites carried the ark of God on their shoulders with their carrying poles, just as the Lord had instructed Moses. There's some couple things that happen in this scripture because uh, at this point, David woke up and realized I got a bad review from God. I need to change some things. If I want to get, be successful and bring God glory because worship is fully for him, I need to change what God defines as good. Understand that good is the enemy of great. At one point, there was two brothers that brought a, a sacrifice to the Lord. It was Adam's first two sons. God rejected one 
and he accepted the other one. The other one thought this was good enough. I'm going to just bring whatever I have. Everybody else is doing it. No big deal. I'm going to bring this before the Lord, and he's going to accept it. God was like, that's not good. Understand, good is the enemy of great. If you're selling for good in your life, you're saying that everything is okay with what I'm, the way things are going, I'm going to tell you, that's not great. God has called you. Matter of fact, he has divinely appointed you for this moment of your life to do great things for him. And your great is not my great. You will never look as good as I am. I know I'm breaking up attention. I'm, I like to be silly. Don't pay me attention. But you will never do what I'm called to do. And that's great because we're all a body of Christ. I'm not called to be Pastor Jody. He's called to come up here every Sunday and preach the word of God. If I had to do this every Sunday, I wouldn't see my family the whole weekend. If I was called to do what Pastor Peter did, I would shoot myself. No, I'm doing that. I'm doing that. Uh, jokes, jokes, totally jokes. I love Pastor Peter. Man down. I'm not called to do what you do. But we're called to do great things. We all don't think like I think. And I think that's a good thing. (laughs) If you thought like I thought, you would be messed up in the head. Because I laugh at everything. It does not matter. I'm not lying. If you were walking in front of me and you trip and fail, I'm going to be the first person to laugh. I'm going to see if you're okay. But I'm going to crack up at the same time. Right? When kids do stupid stuff, I find it hilarious. My wife, anytime she threatens Stevie, I crack up laughing because I'm like, she ain't going to do nothing. She just, she just threatened him. Stevie, do this or I'm going to smack you or I'm going to whoop you. She never does it. She's a pushover. That's what she's going to do. She's just a full of bunch of threats, right? But I crack up laughing. People get arrested. I crack up laughing. My brother, my, my dad's in jail right now. I find it hilarious. I got all types of jokes. He got a pen pal that's in jail there, buddy, buddy. I'm totally joking. But you get what I'm saying? I crack up laughing. Things are funny. If you thought like I did, you would be messed up. But I can't think like you do. I don't think like you do. I don't have the mind. I'm not wired like you do. Some of you guys can look at a situation and give us a plan from A to Z. I could never do that. Some of you guys can write emails galore. Pastor Cherish and Joey, you guys can write emails galore. When I look at emails, I'm like, dear God, that's an hour per email I got to spend on email. (laughs) If you imagine how long it takes me to speak, like stumble on, imagine me typing what I'm saying. I don't even know what I'm saying half the time that I'm saying it. You get what I'm saying? Some of you, we're not meant to be the same. We're meant to be different. But embrace that because in that difference, when we worship God with all we are, we bring glory to him. You can't do what other people do. So stop trying to copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Stop trying to get success the way the world gets it. And start digging into what God called you to do. Now, all of this to say, I'm going to give you three simple points that you probably heard before that's going to transform your life if you put it into place. I dare you to write these three simple things down. To use it in every area of your life. To use it to glorify God in whatever you're doing. I dare you to do it and see the results that you will get. Here's what David did differently. So wipe my sweat. I feel like T.D. Jakes. <laughs> Bishop. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Here's what David did differently. You will notice that, number one, he prepared. 
He prepared. Let's go back to the food analogy, the restaurant analogy. Good restaurants prepare for the people they're going to get. Good restaurants clean the place up, right? They clean the place up. They make sure their menu items is is proper and and ready to go. They have people hired in right positions because they want to make sure that people walk in. They're getting asked, how are you doing? They're they're preparing for the guests that that will come. This is what David did. David said in 1 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 1, I won't, from here on I'll just say which verse. Uh, verse 1, he said, he also prepared a place for the ark of God and set up a special tent for it. David said, number one thing is, I need to prepare for this ark that's coming. I got it wrong the first time. First time, I just went and grabbed it. Let's, let's take it up. This time, I need to actually prepare for it. What does this mean for us? This means we need to prepare for what God's going to do in our life. We need to prepare for it. If that means getting up early in the morning, spending time with God, you need to prepare for it. If that means you need to start talking to people outside these walls on a regular basis because you feel like God is about to use you to minister to thousands of people, you need to prepare for it. If that means you, you feel like God has called you to be a worship leader, then get your butt up and, and ask Pastor Cherish, can you join the worship team? You need to prepare for it. Whatever that preparation looked like in your life, you need to prepare for it. You know, I feel like God has called me to be a bodybuilder. I'm totally lying. <laughs> you guys are like, seriously? Yeah, I've been preparing for it. Uh, just differently. Just differently than most people would prepare for it. Um, whatever God has called you to do, prepare for it. Right? It says this in Joshua 1.8. He was talking to Joshua, who was about to take over the kingdom of God. And he told him to do this very simple step. He told him to study this book of instructions and meditate on it day and night. He told him to Prepare. That's what preparation looks like. Study this book of instructions and meditate on it day and night so that you'll be, you will be sure to obey everything that's written in it. You need to prepare for it. Only then you will have good success. When you're ready, you will get it. It, it was said this, a life, the, the life of opportunity must be seized. In the, mm, the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. I didn't say that. If you thought I did, well, you could put my name underneath it, whatever. Number two, because we're speeding through this. We're coming to a close because I want to get you these two things. Number two is he asks. Verse 13b says this. We fail to ask God how to move properly. So that tells me that this time he decided we're going to ask God how to do this. So notice he prepared for it. Then he asked God what you want us to do. Because this is for you. It's not for me. It's all for you. What do you want me to do? He just simply asked, got down on the knees, saw God's face, and said, God, tell me how you want to get this done. Because I know this is a good thing. Reaching people is a great thing. Serving in the local church is a great thing. Standing up and preaching the gospel and proclaiming the gospel, seeing people's life change is a great thing. I have prepared for it. Now, what part of that great thing do you want me to do? Because everybody's not meant to do everything. You are meant to do a specific task, a specific role for your life. What it is. God, what do you want us to do? It says this in Psalms 14, 2. It's beautiful by God. It says, the Lord looks down from heaven on the entire human race, and he looks to see if anyone is truly wise. Is anyone seeking God? It also says this in Matthew six thirty three, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Ask God 
and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. That's important. Step two was just simply ask. Step three, which is the most powerful one of them all. This is the most life-changing, defying moment in your life. You're going to be like, wow, this is amazing. You just simply got to do it. It's something to be said when you say, God, what do you want me to do? And then he tells you what to do, and then you go like Jonah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go this way. And don't look at me like I'm, like I'm crazy, because I know we all do it. I have asked God, God, what do you want me to do? I want you to go up there and say hello to this person and tell them about Jesus. Sweet. I'm not going to do that right now. I need a sign. Tell me, give me a sign, Lord, from heaven. Uh, go tell this person. I need more of a physical sign. Uh, you know, why don't you tell that person to come up to me? The person comes up to you. How are you doing? Still not telling them about Jesus. Well, I need another sign, God, right? How many times have we just overstepped what God wanted us to do, which is a simple task? For the simple fact that we're just afraid. For the simple fact is we just don't want to do it. I don't know what's holding you back, but I'm telling you that there's a connection from when you ask and you do what you're asked to do. That's the explosive power of God that shows up in your life. That's the life-changing experience. That's the great That's the two thumbs up review from God. It's one thing to ask God, God, what do you want to eat? It's another thing to make his order the way he likes it. That's that steak. We went to a restaurant in, I'm I'm coming to a close. We went to a restaurant in Texas. I love Pastor Peter. I mean, if he was a girl and I wasn't married, I would marry him for this one reason. Um, Y'all think I'm joking. Now you need to hear this. Like, remember, it's caveat. If he was a girl and I wasn't married, never mind, don't worry about that. But there's a restaurant in Texas. If you have never been to this restaurant, they make the best steak in the world. I'm not even a st- I'm a chicken. Come on, I'm black. I eat fried chicken. Okay? You guys are like, I don't know if I should laugh at that. You can laugh at that. It's completely fine. I eat fried chicken and watermelon. I drink Kool-Aid. It's all, I really do, though. Like, seriously. Like, my wife will tell you, I love me some watermelon, some Kool-Aid, and some fried chicken. No lie. But anyway, they're like, can I laugh? You can laugh. It's okay. Um... But there's a restaurant in Texas that make the best steak to order has ever been made. Best steak. It's one thing to just order your steak. When you go to that restaurant, they're making that steak the way you want it. And it's going to come out delicious. Delicious. I'm talking about I like put on 10 pounds just from eating that steak. Delicious. I mean, yeah, like that's like you weigh like 5,000 pounds. I don't, I don't weigh that much. What am I saying? If you, I don't know know what I'm saying. If you want, what am I saying? If you really believe that worship is for God, that everything in you is for the king, then you need to change how you're doing things. You need to realize that you need to prepare for God. You need to ask for God. And you need to do what he said. Just simply, he did it. When you do those three things, remember I said simple steps. I can't imagine the life change that will happen here. How your life, will you no longer get those thumb downs, where you no longer will feel like you're hitting that wall, where you're no longer going to get like God's rejection for, or he strike somebody down dead beside you, or the project dead. It's because when you hear God and you do what he asks you to do, God will show up. God will move in your life. God will transform your situation. But he's just willing, looking for those who will ask him, who will seek him, and then who's going to do it. Are you willing to prepare? 
are you willing to put in the necessary time so that you can get the life change that you're looking for? I'm going to call the worship team up. Because I want you guys to understand this. I'm a little crazy because God made me this way. And I'm realizing that more and more each and every day. That if I'm willing to prepare for God to, be, to use me right now, and I ask God what he want me to do with it, and I do it, he's going to use my crazy self. And I'm no special than you. Trust me. I'm not highly educated. I do, I do look good. I mean, my mama told me I look good. I, I do look good. You know, I don't have tons of funds, money to throw around. I don't have all the skills in the world. But he never called me to do any of those things. He only told me to be me, be Stephen Cornelius, Peter Daniel. As my daughter and my wife call me Big Daddy. Yes, my wife calls me Big Daddy. <laughs> speaking that into existence, speaking into existence. So the challenge for you guys, are you willing to do it? Are you willing to get well done, good and faithful servant from God? Are you willing to get those good reviews from God? And are you willing to change if you think you got it wrong? If you know you got it wrong, are you willing to make the changes necessary so that you can see God show up in your life? If Pastor Jody was here right now, he would tell you guys, there's no greater thing than to see God move in your life to glorify him. That man has been through so much, and still he's a living testimony of how faithful God is when you are doing what he asks you to do. He's not that tall. I don't want to say that. He's not that big, but he has a huge heart. So if you're here today, and you say, you know what, I want to change some things in my life, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. In a little while, the people are going to close out, and they're going to invite you guys to do something. I don't know what they're going to do. Pastor Peter's going to do something. But I want to say, if you want life change, the people are going to come down here, and they're going to help you with that. They want to pray with and for you to see you get the change that you want to see, to see you make a difference, not only in your life, but in the life of those around you. Let's go ahead and stand up, and we can worship God.